0: Welcome to episode 159 of the God Stuff podcast, where we go bigger, better, and deeper. A bigger impact for Christ in the gospel, a better understanding of scripture, how to interpret, apply, and teach it, and a deeper walk with God. I don't know how to categorize this one. My topic is 10 things not to say to your pastor. And I'm doing this with all charitableness and kindness, but I don't know. I just thought this would be fun. So, 10 things not to say to your pastor. And yeah, simple, quick, short, and sweet. Uh, I think at the end of this, if you understand that pastors are humans and that pastors, I mean, we all have our insecurities, I think then I will have accomplished what I need to accomplish. So let's get into it. And uh, we're doing this thing right now with Veritas. You can get a course where we talk about some of the big questions Mainly the problem of pain, the problem of suffering. Why bad things happen to good people? Why are bombs landing in Kiev? Why do kids OD on drugs like fentanyl? What what's going on in this world, and why God doesn't stop the pain, stop the suffering, and all of that? That theology is called providence. I have done podcasts on it, but if you really want to go deep, we're offering that mini course for free, no obligation. Veritas School, V E R I T A S School. Life slash Providence. Go get it. Here we go. Welcome to the God Stuff Podcast with Bill Giovanetti, the home of grace-powered living, because grace isn't an app. It's an operating system. Here's Bill. Okay, so I've been a pastor for a week or so, or maybe longer than that, and I've heard a few things, and it's just kind of funny to me, but I also want to make sure that everybody listening to me understands that we're human, we're vulnerable, and sometimes people say things. Perhaps you mean well, but it doesn't come across that way. Or anyway, just let me go through this. Ten things not to say to your pastor. And I'm also going to say that I think that many of these apply mainly in a larger church. I think some of them would be perhaps just fine in a smaller church. I'm not sure. I don't know. Kind of hard to say. But let's just go with it. This is Bill's list of ten things. Reverend Dr. Bill, Pastor Bill's list of things. Not to say to a pastor, and by the way, I get these things all the time. I still get them. I try to be gracious. I try to be humorous. So, you know, if you say these things to me, don't feel like you have to edit yourself or anything, be yourself. But just how sometimes your messaging, and this could be in any relationship, in any job function, uh, sometimes your messaging doesn't come across the way you mean it. Okay, thing number one, not to say, this is one of my least favorite things to hear, Hey, Bill, I just heard so-and-so preach that same sermon. Okay, unless I plagiarize the sermon, which I didn't, all the guys I plagiarize from are dead, so they'll be old-fashioned guys, and I don't plagiarize. I'm always bringing fresh material to the pulpit. Even if I'm re-preaching a sermon I did in the past, much of it is going to be fresh and new. I think that's just part of what needs to happen. But to hear that Louis Giglio or to hear that whoever, I can't even think of any names right now, preach the same sermon. I'm, especially if you heard me preach, after I preach, I'm pretty tired and I'm pretty spent and I'm pretty vulnerable. And what you don't realize is how hard I worked and how much I killed myself to make that sermon. And, you know, it's kind of like an athlete after a big game. We're very worn out and we're very vulnerable. And when I hear that someone else just did that same thing, There's a little voice in my head that says, why did I even bother? Why go through all of that work? You know, I'm no different from anybody else, which I I understand that. I get it. I'm not being picky or I don't want to be a diva. But I think that if you're really tuned in, there's something, there's a unique mix of things happening in any sermon encounter, shall we say. The preacher is unique. The audience is unique. And the interaction in the chemistry is unique. The work of the Holy Spirit is unique, applying it. And if a person is sitting in the audience, just kind of going to another place and another pastor and another preacher who said the same thing, I think they're missing something. I think this unique element that's missing. Now, I totally understand there are ways that this can be framed, you know, to think of it differently than I'm thinking of it. I'm just saying that when I hear that, it's discouraging to me. Okay, that's all. That's it. Someone else might find that encouraging. I think it's discouraging. I don't need to hear that. I'd rather hear someone say, hey, that was really powerful. Hey, that spoke to me. God was using that message, you know, or I heard so-and-so preach on the same topic, but the way you did it, that hit me in a different way. I mean, I think that's the goal that I'm after when I'm preaching, and that's what I would rather hear. Okay? So... If I sound like I'm whining, I don't feel like I'm whining. I don't want to be whining, but there it is. Okay, thing number two, not to say to your pastor, is similar. Number two, we went to another church and it was just like Pathway. I mean, a lot of the same issues here. I happen to think there's no church like our church. I happen to think that what we have going on here is really special. I do not consider this to be arrogance. It's just that we are unique, I think, in some way. Every church is unique. The people, the programs, the philosophy, the leadership, the impact, all of this is different. We all have different groups of people and different sets of people that are collectively forming what this church is about. We all have different menus of programs. We all have different philosophies of ministry that guide us. We have a very well-articulated philosophy of ministry at Pathway, very well-articulated mission statement. We have a very well-articulated strategy of leading people towards spiritual growth. So those philosophies are very different from church to church. We have leadership that is different. We have a real... A team of leaders at Pathway, now it's pretty awesome. The impact that a church would have in the community and in people's lives is different. There's so many differences, and I don't know that it's worth comparing. And I usually get this, most people who leave our church, leave our church, not all, but most are going elsewhere. I mean, out of the state. There are a huge flow of people. There's a big exodus. Everybody knows this from the state of California. Many have gone to Tennessee, Texas, Arizona. A lot have gone to Idaho. We have a big contingent in Idaho, and some have gone to Hawaii. So people are leaving the state. And when I catch up to them, the number one thing I hear is it's been really hard for us to find another church. Uh, I have friends who are in Tennessee who are on their seventh church in four years, and these are not church-hopping people. These are people who get involved. These are people who serve. These are people who are serious about the Lord and serving and theology and all of that. They're plugging into these churches, but it's not working for them. I have other friends who still can't find a church after many, many years where they're getting kind of the holistic ministry that they need. Um, I don't like hearing pathway church being lumped in with other churches as if we're all the same. In one sense, we are all the same. We're all on a mission from God. We're all hopefully saved and preaching from the same scripture, especially on a weekend. But to say I went to another church and it was just like Pathway. Okay. Maybe it was. I know there are churches that are bigger than ours. I know there are churches that are way more effective than ours in X or Y or Z, but you know, we're unique and I celebrate the u- uniqueness and I celebrate the u- uniqueness of whatever church you're in. And I celebrate, I think, you know, the, uh, regionally speaking, like we're in Shasta County in Northern California. We're, we're kind of isolated. We're three hour drive from any big city, that's Sacramento. And if you drive 15 minutes, pretty much in any direction, you're literally in wilderness. And in three compass settings, you'll be in mountains within a half an hour. Okay, so what am I saying? That regionally, it's the Lord's vineyard. And different churches have different personalities and different emphases in that region. And the Lord is the Lord of the vineyard. And he raises up different churches with different specialties or subspecialties shall we say. And they're all good. You know, as long as they're preaching the word and preaching the gospel, they're all good. But anyway, that's not my thing to hear that we're just like somebody else. Okay, third thing. This one is hard, and I get where it's coming from, and where it's coming from is a good place. But I want you to think through the implications of this question. Pastor, how come our church doesn't have a ministry for fill in the blank? And the blanks that you could fill in here are pretty endless. How come our church doesn't have a ministry for blank? How come our church doesn't have a ministry for veterans, PTSD, homeless kids, deaf and hard of hearing people, clothing shelter, food, recovery, fatherless children? How come our church doesn't have a ministry for unwed mothers, STDs, addiction, counseling? How come our church doesn't have a WANA? How come our church doesn't have sports out reach? How come our church doesn't have home visitation, hospital visitation? How come our church doesn't have care counseling, political issues involvement? How come our church doesn't have healing prayer, revival prayer, special needs kids, and their families' ministries? How come our church doesn't teach English as a second language? How come our church doesn't reach out to immigrants? How come our church doesn't reach out to refugees? Refugees. I mean, on and on and on. And, okay, the beauty of this is that the gospel message and scripture are adaptable, to meet the vast panorama of human need. Every human need is met by the gospel and the word of God. That's the beautiful thing here, which means that the ministry opportunities are infinite. That list that I just rattled off, it stretches on just forever. World missions, global missions, the needs that need to be met are infinite, But the church's resources are finite, sometimes very finite. Any local church can only do so much. And when someone says to me, why don't we have a ministry for X, Y, or Z? You know what I say to them? I say, great, you're in charge. When do you start? And I'm not being snarky. I'm trying to help people realize no church has a magic switch to just start a ministry. It doesn't work that way, right? We need Leadership. We need someone who is going to take this ball and run with it. And then we need an army of volunteers for almost any ministry. And then we also need consistency. It's not like you can start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And I'll just say, for example, ministry deaf and hard of hearing. I mean, I would love to do something like that. But once you start, you can't stop. You can't say, Hey, we've got this at 1115. Come and join us. And then the interpreter doesn't show up or. The team is sick and you can't just do the one thing. It usually takes a holistic ministry of fellowship and community and really working with people. It's not just interpret on Sunday morning the message. It's much bigger than that. So I just want people to understand that no one church can do it all, right? That, you know, our church has a huge menu. Like we're like the Cheesecake Factory menu. If you just look, at the offerings that our church offers, we're doing hundreds of things. Every day of the week, there's something going on. We have programs and ministries and groups for all ages and stages. But does that mean we're doing absolutely everything that can be done? No. And the reason we don't have a ministry for XYZ is leadership, volunteers, consistency, personnel. Sometimes it's just space. So there's a lot of reasons for that. But many times the questioner, I think, is treating the church as a thing that's its own machine and forgetting that the church is only as good as the people and the volunteers that serve in it. And I want to say this about larger churches because we have a larger church with several thousand people. Studies have shown that the bigger a church is, the harder it is to get volunteers. Isn't that weird? The reason is because people look around, they say, well, there's so many people here, someone else will do it. And when you have enough people saying that, no one's doing it. Let me say it this way. I am committed to not keeping ministries alive, where we always have to cajole people into doing them. We need a committed, motivated team of volunteer leaders who will keep a ministry flourishing ongoingly, right? And if we have that, we'll do it. We're with you. But don't throw it back in my lap or in our, our team is peddling as fast as they can. And it's not. we're not going to be starting new stuff unless... The, all the resources are there for that. Well, I'm listening to myself. I'm going, do I really want to publish this? Yeah, I'm going to publish it. I just want you to, uh, I don't know, to think with me about your church. Okay. The fourth thing to say, and this one is back to preaching in that sermon. How come you didn't say blank? How come you didn't mention this? Okay. Let me give an example. So on Good Friday, we had a service and I'm preaching a message on Good Friday. And when we do our Good Friday service, we, it's very somber, very solemn. You know, it's a death. It's, the crucifixion, it's the awful suffering of Christ. And the whole mood just matches that, right? The music, we always take communion. And the first half of that talk focuses on Calvary, the cross, and the physical sufferings of the crucifixion. Well, the second time, the second part of that talk focuses on not the events of the crucifixion, but the meanings of the crucifixion. And this last time I gave a talk on some of the people who are connected with the crucifixion. The first one was Barabbas. And I used him as an illustration of how uh, the cross was unjust from a legal perspective. And the guilty one, Barabbas, he was a criminal that Pilate released. The guilty one goes free, so the innocent one, Jesus, pays the price. Okay. The second person I talked about was Simon the Cyrene. He was the man that got conscripted to carry the cross of Christ. Christ was made to carry his cross. He was too weak, stumbled, so they made Simon carry the cross. And I used him in, as an illustration of making Christ's cross your own so that Christ's cross counts for you. And the third person I talked about was the thief on the cross. So he received salvation and Jesus said to him, as unworthy as he was, as unreligious as he was, today you will be with me in paradise. So he was the third one that I talked about. So that was it. That was our Good Friday service. It was very, I think it was really powerful and it was a great setup for the joy of Easter services. And all of that, one of the things I did not mention was that Good Friday coincided with the Jewish Feast of Passover. I didn't say that. And someone said, how come you didn't mention Passover? You know, everyone's got the thing they're interested in. Okay, I get you. But it is never possible to say everything that could be said, unless you want sermons that are seven hours long. It is never possible. All of the way that scripture is written, it all interconnects and all the interconnections and relationships. That's what makes scripture so powerful and beautiful and complex. And it's unified because everything connects with everything. And that means that when I preach or anybody preaches, any one sermon can only contain selected portions of the truth. Because this truth is this massive complex that emerges from the mind of God and is revealed to us in Scripture. There's a massive edifice that is interconnected and interlocking and all coherent, and truth meshes perfectly with truth. And so, yes, there's a lot that could be said, which means most of it doesn't get said in any one sermon. So, yes, no, I did not mention the Passover connection along with about 150 other things that I didn't mention. But, hey, thanks for the suggestion. Okay, so the first one, I just heard so-and-so preach the same sermon. Second one, we went to another church. It was just like yours. And by the way, if you're gonna, if you're in our church, don't call it yours, call it ours, please. Third thing, Pastor how come our church doesn't have a ministry for fill in the blank. Fourth thing, in that sermon, you didn't say fill in the blank. Okay. Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, so I still only have nine, not ten. Okay. So thing number five, not to say. And these last ones go fast. They're pretty easy. Pastor, uh, where's Jim? Pastor, where's so and so? Uh, it's funny because there's this idea that I have a people locator and though we have a 20 acre campus and we have three buildings and people are scattered all over the place. It's just funny to me. No, I don't know where so-and-so is. Sorry. Okay. Number six, what time does CR start? And it's on Tuesday, right? My answer is, I don't know. First of all, I'm horrible with dates and times and days of the week. I never know what day it is. I never know what the date is. I don't keep those things in my memory. Secondly, there's so many things going on. I have no idea what's on the schedule and when it is. You would have to go look that up or call the office or go check it out. I don't know the mechanics of all of these things. I don't know where the signups are. I don't know. So I will disappoint you when you ask me that question. Number seven, question. Hey, Bill, and this is usually, you know, almost always on a Saturday or Sunday between services or before a service. Hey, Bill, do you have time for a quick question? Okay. A quick question. I'd say there are some that are genuinely quick, but 80% of them are not. They're detailed theological questions that, no, (laughs) imagine your pastor. And I I know all all pastors are different. I'm one of a kind, you know, maybe I'm too fragile. I don't know. But I feel like I'm a boxer about to get into a ring. I'm very focused on what is happening in the church, in the service. I'm very focused on what i'm about to preach on i'm i'm praying for god to work i'm praying for the spirit to fill me i'm praying for god's spirit to work on this congregation using the lever of his truth of scripture of doctrine of the bible and so i'm very hyper focused on this and i really don't want to go off on some theological discourse into some other topic i really don't and those quick questions are very rarely quick they're almost always Some esoteric theological thing that I can't get into or, and this is where, you know, my heart is aches and is with you. It's like a counseling session. The need that is raised is so profound. It's not a quick question and we really can't deal with it standing in the hallway right there. And then as I'm on my way to preach, so. I will usually try to refer those out. I will try to be very gracious. I will say, Hey, it's got to be quick. There's a lot of people here today and, uh, you know, I'm going to preach. And we do have great teams of people to work with grief and with, with family issues and marriage issues and prayer. We've got this organized where the body of Christ can minister to you. And I'll try to direct you to that. But in terms of getting into some kind of discussion about a Bible verse or something theological, or even a personal need, probably not going to happen. And I have a personal policy, because every church service, we have really mobilized prayer, and we have a great prayer team. And after every service, prayer team is available to pray for you and your needs, and they do a great job. And I have this conviction about prayer that even offered by the humblest saint or, or a child has the attention of heaven when offered in the name of Jesus. So My prayers are not magical. I knew that if I were to stand in front along with the prayer team, people would line up by me instead of by the members of our prayer team or sincerely there, and they're seeing answers to prayer, and they're leading people to Christ, and it's super cool. So I will always refer people to our prayer team if the thing they want is prayer. Okay, two more. Hey, Bill, do you remember that sermon where you said X, Y, Z? I think it was about three years ago. Where can I get that recording? Okay, this to me is funny because I never remember what I've preached. I don't remember what I said and what sermons. It's really hard for me, especially if you go back in time more than a couple of months. Hey, Bill, in a sermon, you said this and this, and I'm looking for that sermon. I'm like, oh, man, I I don't know. If I knew, I would tell you, but sorry, I don't know. Help. Other pastors may have this better than me, but hey, that's me. I forget. So, sorry. And also, where can I get the recording? Uh, go... Sift through all the recordings because that's what I would have to do if I were going to try to find it for you. So there it is. Okay, last thing, things not to say to a pastor. This one applies to the men. Guys, no conversations with me in the bathroom. Thank you. Thank you. This is just not the time. Just not the time, not the place. Just you can say hi and I'll say hi back. And that's about it. All right, there we go. All right, I'm gonna close with this. So that's ten things. I mean nine, ten minus one, things to Maybe avoid or rethink or reframe. All of this is to be kind. Just be kind to your pastor, especially on a Sunday. They're a worn out athlete and they're vulnerable. So uplifting, encouraging, that's it. Make as few demands as possible. You're like, well, when can I talk to pastors? Figure it out because some other time, you know, I view my, all of the ministries of our church are an extension of my ministry. I mean that doesn't sound right, but we have a team that will go to the hospital and be there to pray for somebody. Well, they're representing Pathway Church. Let's put it that way. And we have care coaching. They're representing Pathway Church. We have a lot of great recovery ministries. We have incredible family and marriage ministries. We have Reengage. You know, we just got a lot of good stuff going on. All of that is we're all one thing. I'm not the magic source. God made me a Bible teacher and an evangelist and and a leader. And so here we are leading out to make sure that we can have the most full-orded ministry possible to meet the most needs possible. And that's it. So be satisfied with that. So there you go. I'm going to quote this verse that I rarely quote, but I think it's important to put this into the mindset of the body of Christ at large, Hebrews 13, 7. And this is about pastors. It says, obey those. It's talking to the congregation. Obey those who have the rule over you and submit, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. I can say I do my ministry with joy and not with grief. And I heard a church leader say, and I'll just echo this, and this is not This is not my life right now, but it has been. We're in a really good place right now. But I heard a church leader say anyone in the church who is causing their pastor grief is outside the will of God. And I can say that right now because I don't have that with people to any large degree. I mean, there's always the cares of the church that crop up. That's just the nature of the game. I get it. Every business has something and that's our business. And I'll also give two caveats. If the pastor is lapsing into immorality or if the pastor is lapsing into false teaching and heresy, all right, then, you know, that's time for some conversations and all of that. But obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you, the body of Christ. That would be unprofitable for you, Hebrews 13, 7. With that, we'll check out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. And remember, veritasschool.life slash providence. Go get it. Thanks for listening to the God Stuff Podcast. Find out more at godstuff.tv.